The Other Side of Darkness is brought to you in part by Tweed's Cafe of North Bend, Washington, the real-world site of the Twin Peaks Double R. Stop by in person at 137 West North Bend Way for a slice of cherry pie and a damn good cup of coffee, and follow Tweed's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tweed's Cafe. This episode is also brought to you by a new page that has just recently joined the pantheon of Meta Twin Peaks Instagram accounts, Unwholesome Peaks. Follow them on Instagram at Unwholesome Peaks. Welcome to The Other Side of Darkness, an episodic Seinfeld parody story that follows Jerry, George, Elaine, and Kramer on a dark and mysterious journey inspired by the work of David Lynch. The Other Side of Darkness is produced by Signpeaks. I'm Jesse, also known as Signpeaks, your host and narrator. Today I'm speaking with actress Sarah Paxton, who made a guest appearance in Twin Peaks The Return as Candy Shaker. Sarah's also appeared in 78 other films and TV shows since she started acting as a child, including Summerland, Darcy's Wildlife, This Is Us, and The Innkeepers. We talked about Sarah's life growing up as an actor, her experience working on Twin Peaks, and a whole lot more. Stick around after the show to hear this week's featured artist, Luca De Paoli. Now, here is Sarah Paxton. Sarah, hey, how you doing today? Pretty good. Just started, so this is kind of like... Oh, of course. It's nine o'clock over there. (laughs) Yeah. I like woke up, had breakfast, rushed to get ready for you. (laughs) Oh, I really appreciate it. Um, Okay. So I'm a, I'm a fan of yours. So, you know, I, I follow you. I'm a fan. Like everybody that I know is a fan of yours. Like we talk, we share your like memes and shit. That's how I know you. (laughs) So I'm a fan. Ah, crap. You started it off by embarrassing me. I'm, I'm, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm really, really thrilled and humbled to hear that. Thank you very much. That's that's awesome. Okay. I've got uh obviously I want to get to the whole Twin Peaks thing and your appearance in the return, but before we get into that, um I want to give my listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit. So, okay. um I wanted to start out like where did acting start for you? How did you get into that path? Um well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um I um I I actually was a child actor. I started acting when I was six professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in in LA. I mean, if you've ever been to LA, you know that saying you're from LA means like it could mean anything. Yeah, like it's you know 50 miles in one direction, you're still in LA. So I grew up in like a small suburb, sort of 30 minutes outside of like the main part of town. Um, I grew up. <laughs> in a place called Woodland Hills, which um, people never know where that is. So I say it's near Calabasas and everyone's like the Kardashians. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I grew up, you know, sort of out in that direction. Um, anyway, my parents, nobody in my family has anything to do with the acting business, show uh-huh. business at all. I'm the, I'm the only person. Um, and uh, so how did that happen? Well, my aunt owns a children's clothing store in LA that has been around for like 30 years. I think I saw a picture um, of this on your Instagram, something tattoo, right? Rag tattoo. Uh Yes. So when I was little, me and my cousins would be the models for the ads and we would do like little runway shows. It was in a a little strip mall. So we, you know, model the clothes in the strip mall Uh and it was very like, you know, local paper and stuff like that. Yeah. And one of the photographers like handed my mom a card being like, these 
cousins should go to acting classes or like be in commercials or something. And my mom was like, whatever, like my mom's a dentist, you know, and uh-huh. my dad manages her practice. So they were just like, that's weird. Like yeah. rip, rip, bye. But I was like, hmm, <laughs> that's interesting uh-huh. because I'm an only child and both my parents worked a lot when I was growing up. So like movies and TV were my life. Uh-huh. Like I would, I would sit there and, you know, I had like six VHS tapes in my room and I would just like watch them over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And uh, so I was excited to possibly do something like that. And I, I made a bet with my mom. I was like, I was like, listen, I saw an open casting call for a Coca-Cola commercial. And I was like, listen, I'm six. Okay. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, if you take me to this one audition and I don't get it, I'll never ask you again. Like, oh we'll, we'll put this to bed. It's uh-huh. over. I was like, but if I get it, you got to take me to the next one. And I got the commercial. Ah. So, yeah. So I just kept going from there. So that's how I got into it. And um, I just kept going because I loved it. And I thought it would just be a hobby. Like when I was a kid, I was just like, this is my sports because mm-hmm. I don't like sports. I don't do anything else. Like this is my after school activity. But I just kept going. Yeah. And and I've I've seen like I know that you were I mean, by age nine, you were doing like film and TV and, and stuff like that. Um, but you're also a nine year old kid. And I know mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're in the L.A. area, so I'm sure you're not the only person at your school that is acting. Um, but what did that? I think I was. Oh, really? <laughs> OK. Oh, OK. All right. Well, I yeah. mean, that shows how much I know about L.A. <laughs> but so how did that affect your childhood? Like interacting with your friends and stuff, were they impressed? Did they ask questions? Like, did they tell you every time yeah. they saw you somewhere? Um, yes and no. I mean, I've had the same group of friends since I was like 10 mm-hmm. and I was never homeschooled. I always went to regular school. It was like a really big point of, I, I, I was like, no matter what, I will not be taken out of school because I loved school and I loved being with my friends. And yeah. so, you know, I never went that deep into it that I had to be homeschooled, mm-hmm. but yeah, my friends mostly didn't really give a shit, which was kind of, sorry, can I swear? Yeah, absolutely. Say whatever the fuck you want. Okay. I don't care. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't really give a shit, which is, you know, why we're still friends. Like they're not in the business, you know, one's a teacher, one's an accountant. They thought they were proud of me and thought it was cool. Like if we were going to go see a movie and there was like a poster of a movie I was in, they'd be like, that's awesome. Yeah. And they'd always go see everything I was in. And I would fly them out to wherever I was and bring them, you know, whatever. I bring them along, but it wasn't something we spent our time like really talking about. It was, it was very like normal childhood with my friends. That's cool. And um, I actually yeah. I wasn't going to ask this, but it, it came to mind and I want to ask because I know you're a musician as well. And you've some of the so stuff. Not that, really. <laughs> well, sure. But, you know, I mean, some of the projects that you've been in, you've either sung on or recorded yeah, your own yeah. music for, you know, you were recording an album at one point. Um, was yeah. that something that you did on your own? Uh, like, you you know, was that part of like what you wanted to do? How, what inspired you to take that path? Yeah, well. I always sang as a kid. I love musicals and musical theater. So, you know, like my dream was and still is Mm -hmm. to, I would love to be in a a movie musical because I don't, I don't think I'm like an amazing singer, but you know, I sing a little bit and uh, yeah, it just sort of came to me. Like they were like, do you, you know, I sang in a show and they were like, you know, Sony or whoever did my album was like, would you want to do a record? Uh, Did you want to do a record contract or something? And I'm Uh like 15 and I'm like, yes, I mean, (laughs) I do. Yes. So I did that for a little bit, but I think that ultimately my, I realized like my passion is definitely in film and television and 
if the two were to coincide, that'd be great. But I remember like it came time to start practicing doing actual like stage performance. And I'm so awkward and like, I'm a don't look at me person. Uh So I was like, I can't do this. So it was a great time. It was a great experience. I really enjoyed it. I kind of wish I would have stuck with it a little bit more, but I don't know if it was fully, fully me. Mm -hmm. No, I totally get that. And I can relate. Like, that's why I do everything on the internet. So no one can watch me and I don't know that they're watching me. Um, okay. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. So, you know, you, you, you grow up in this throughout your teen years, you're doing, you're starring yeah. in films. Um, I mean, superhero movie, Aquamarine, you're doing television um, and then into adulthood because there's a certain point uh, at which a lot of child actors, they come of age and they say, you know, this was really my parents thing. I had fun with it, but I'm going to go off and be a dentist or an electrician or <laughs> something else. But you decided to stick with it. Um, what mm-hmm. made you make that decision? Um, well, in the last year of high school, I was like, you know what? I really want to take this year off. I wanted to do school activities and graduate. And I wanted to my life to be a little bit more normal because at that time I was very, very busy. And uh, everybody in my life was like, none of that matters. Like, who cares if you're going out with your friends and doing SATs? Like, you don't need that. And I was like, I need, I just, I don't care. I, I really want the experience. I, I need the experience. So I took some time off. And in that time off, I was like, oh crap, I don't like this. Uh-huh. Like, I, <laughs> I really, I really missed it. You yeah. know, I, I really, really lucky that I was able to have that realization that it, that it really is my passion. It really is what I want to do. It brings me so much joy. I cannot see my life, you know, not acting and yeah. doing something in, in show business. So yeah. yeah, I had like a, you know, come to Jesus epiphany uh-huh. moment at that time. And, and I'm lucky that I'm lucky I had that. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. That you, you were know, some people, some people like never figure out what they, what they love mm-hmm. to do. So yeah, I don't know. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. And you had to step out of it to realize how much, how important it was to you. Yeah. I can yeah, totally relate to yeah. that. Sometimes you have to really miss something, you know, mm-hmm. and I did. So, so I just went, I went right back in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, yeah. let's jump to, I want to say it was probably 2016 ish. Um, when mm-hmm. you were cast in part four of the Showtime revival of Twin Peaks, uh, Twin Peaks, The Return. Uh, of course you appeared in part four as Candy Shaker, I think was your character's name. You were the husband, yeah. uh, <laughs> wife of, uh, Ethan Supli. How do you say his last name? Do you remember? I think it's Supli, but Supli. I, I I never actually said his last name. Yeah. You know, I was just like Ethan. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's Supli or Sup. I think it's Supli. Yeah, that sounds right. right. Yeah, we'll we'll say Supli. Sorry, and, and, no, Sorry if I, Ethan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm wrong, I can I can edit it in post. Um, so no okay. one will ever know. So um, you get that role. What was the casting process like? Like, how did it come to you, and how did you wind up getting the part? Okay, it's really weird and fun, which is it was very very like. David Lynch. Um, uh-huh. So when I get an audition for something, you know, I get an email through my agent and like all the info pops up, who's the writer, director, where I need to be at what time, blah, blah, blah. So I get an email. I look at my phone. My eyes fly out of my skull. I was like, <gasps> um, I, was so, I see it's the Twin Peaks revival. I am so excited. And it's weird because in this email, normally there's a ton of info and there's a script I have to read and blah, blah, blah. There was nothing. Uh-huh. The audition, it just said, show up at this place and talk about something. Mm-hmm. That was it. And I, I'm sure you've spoken with other people who are in the revival and everyone says the same thing. Like, it was just like, show up and talk about something. And I was like, what am I going to talk about? Like, 
who do I talk to? Do I look at the camera and talk? Like, this is weird. What if I don't say the right thing? Whatever. So I show up and they're like, okay, you know the drill. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, we're just to start talking. You're like, yeah, like cameras rolling, just start talking. And I had just gotten into a fight with a friend or like in the car, I was on the phone having a disagreement with somebody. And so I was just so kind of upset about it. So I just started talking about that. And I don't even remember what I was saying, but I just, I just started talking yeah. and I left. They're like, all right, thanks. Bye. And I left. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck that was. Like, <laughs> I was like, I have no, I normally you leave and you're like, I think I did a good job. Mm -hmm. Like I knew all my lines or whatever. I was like, I have nothing to go off of like whatever. And I don't know how much longer after that, but I, I got a phone call and they were like, yeah, you're, you're going to be in it. Okay. I was so <laughs> excited. I was so excited. I was like jumping up and down. I was just through the roof excited. And then they were like, we're not going to tell you who you're playing mm -hmm. or what your lines are. Just show up at this place in the middle of the desert in Palm Springs. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay. And they're like, yeah, they're going to hand like at 10 PM the night before you, we, a messenger is going to come with an envelope filled oh with your God. lines only. So I, so at 10 PM, a messenger arrives with an envelope with just my dialogue. I don't know where I am. I don't know who I am. I don't know who I'm talking to. Uh -huh. I don't know anything. And they're like, oh yeah, be at the, in the desert at 5 AM, <laughs> which is two and a half hours away from where I live. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my Jesus. Oh my God. Like, cause you can't prepare. Yeah. You know, so I'm so nervous. I'm like shitting my pants. I'm mm -hmm. like, what if I don't know my lines in time? Because if you have no context, how do you memorize something without any context of what you're, you know, replying to or whatever? Sure. <sighs> so I show up. Okay, sorry. Backtrack. So a couple of days before that happened, they're like, you're going to, they're already shooting. They're well into shooting. So they're like, you're going to go and do a wardrobe fitting. They happen to be shooting in my neighborhood. So I just like, you know, go over. Mm -hmm. I found the trailer where the wardrobes were. They're like, eh, they like measure me and they make me try on this dress. It's like this bedazzled, like crazy dress. And I was like, am I a, am I a hooker? I was like, who <laughs> am I? And then they're like, okay, well, fill out. <laughs> Sorry, this is maybe TMI, but like, go for it. This is like a curvy, sexy dress. And I'm not like filling it out right because I'm like, I'm, I have no boobs. I'm like flat chested. So they literally invent this like insane bra to like make my boobs look huge. And I had this dress and I'm like trying to figure out like who I am and what's going on. Cut to 5 a.m. to go, you know, I 3 a.m. to go drive out to the desert. I show up. It's at this casino in the middle of the desert. They usher me to a place. I get dressed. I get ready. I have no idea what's going on. They finally hand me the actual scene of the other person's dialogue and i'm like oh my god i'm in this scene with kyle mclaughlin like i can't believe it uh-huh and i go in to the casino at you know eight o'clock in the morning or whatever and i'm looking you know somebody's walking me in and i'm looking around i'm shitting my pants i'm looking around i'm, I'm freaking out i'm looking around and i'm like wow this place is so david lynch i'm like look at that woman over there like wearing a diaper at the slot <laughs> yes that guy yes. with no teeth i'm like this is fucking crazy i'm like they got the perfect actors and the uh -huh. guy's like those aren't actors <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh they aren't extras they aren't part of the scene he's like no 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 that's the real casino we're over here and i was like oh my god i'm sorry like i thought this was all the dream you know whatever it was crazy. So then oh, I man. show up and David Lynch, there he is in all of his glory, immaculate. The hair is 
poofed up. It's perfect. He looks incredible. Mm-hmm. He's wearing a suit. He has this perfect, he has this um, director's chair that's built just for him with an ashtray embedded into the arm. Oh my Smoking God. 24-7. You know what I mean? I meet him. He is so lovely. So, so, so nice. He calls me only by my character name, Candy. He's like, Candy, it's so nice to meet you. Let's have a great day. I'm like, oh yeah, oh, I'm so excited. And then, you know, we we do the scene. I have no idea what the fuck is going on. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so nervous and scared. And he, he's like, he shouts direction through this megaphone. Like he never comes up to the actors. He just like, he's like, okay. He's like, Candy, you're scared for him. Can- he is a lost little puppy, Candy. And you are trying to comfort him, Candy. Okay, let's go, Candy. And I'm like, all right, okay. <laughs> So like we do it, we do the scene and, um, you know, it's a small scene. I just have a small little part and then that was it. And then I'm like, they're ushering me away. Kyle Glockland was lovely. So sweet. And, uh, you know, we're done. And then David's like, okay, everybody get over here. Everybody gather around, gather around. And he's like, I just want to say candy. So nice working. You know, he gives us like little speech to candy. Uh It was me and, uh, and Ethan. And then everyone claps and it's like really sweet and nice. And then as I'm walking away, <laughs> David turns to me in his chair and he's like, Candy, take care, Candy, take care. <laughs> I, I felt it so deep in my heart, oh you know, I left like I was walking on a cloud, this like fever dream, the lady in the diaper smoking still there. Just, <laughs> you know, it was. I feel so lucky that I got to experience even just a small, you know, the small little bit that I was in was very, very cool. And I'm very you know, proud of that. Oh, my God. OK, so much of that story is like not only is it just amazing to hear as a David Lynch fan that it's like everything <laughs> I thought it would be. Um, yes. It's like so much of that, like I know is true because like I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how he casts at least all of his leading ladies like. Cheryl Lee was mm-hmm. cast the same way. He saw a photo of her and was like, okay, that's Laura Palmer. Like, I think Naomi Watts, that was the audition. It was like, let's just have a conversation. And, yeah. I, you know, I guess he just casts the person. And I uh, honestly, I would not be surprised if he built that director's chair himself because he's such a, a craftsman. Yes. Um, so, yes. oh man, that's wild. Yeah. Just so oh, awesome. Cool. Um, so what was your so the the big thing I wanted to talk about with that scene is Kyle as the Dougie Jones character. It's almost kind of a controversial thing, uh, especially with Twin Peaks fans, because you either love him or you hate him because you wanted Dale Cooper and you then have to endure, you know, 15 episodes of I this know. very different character. Like, were you fam- yes. how familiar were, were you with Twin Peaks before you had been cast in this, like with the characters and what it was? Yeah. I was definitely familiar. Mm. I I wouldn't. I wasn't a super fan. I mean, I was a big fan of David Lynch. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I I love Blue Velvet and Mulholland Drive is one of my favorites. And so I was more familiar with his films. Yeah, Racerhead. You know, blah blah mm-hmm. blah. But you know, I I watched Twin Peaks. I grew up with Twin Peaks. I knew Twin Peaks. I just I haven't seen like every episode. Yeah. I've never seen Fire Walk with me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I knew the character, and when I saw him, I was expecting. Dale Cooper, you yeah. know, like I was expecting. And so it was confusing because, like I said, I didn't know anything until the very, I didn't know anything. Yeah. Until I got there. So I was, when I was in the middle of the scene, I was like, oh, I think he might be, he's under like a spell or something, like something's wrong. So then when I watched, it, I was like, oh, okay, 
you know, the pieces fall into place. It yeah. makes sense. I, I, I understand I, I, the controversy. It's hard when like people love something so much and that character is so beloved for it to change and mm-hmm. spend so much time with this other character. It's hard. So, you know, I felt maybe like a twinge of that when I was doing it, but I also, yeah, it just, you know, was canceled out because of how excited I was and just the fact that I was in the scene with him. Like, yeah. I just couldn't believe it. So, That's, but yeah, I, I totally get that that mm, feeling. That's awesome. And um, I like that Lynch told you, like, he's a scared little puppy and he's scared and you need mm-hmm. to comfort him and all that. Like, that's kind of what yeah. I walked away from in that scene. What's so funny is um, Ethan's character, uh, Bill Shaker, like, treats mm-hmm. Dougie very differently than Candy does. Um, and I was yeah. kind of struck by the way Candy kind of treats him almost like a parent would treat, like, a lost child or something like that. Very sympathetic mm-hmm. and patient and... And I thought that was so cool that, uh, I mean, Lynch will have moments like that in stuff that he does. Like some of it is shocking and weird and horrifying. And then mm-hmm. some of it is like really gentle and nice and like a warm hug. And, you know, that's why people yes. become such fans of the show and, you know, kind of develop these relationships with these characters. So is that kind of how he coached you through that was just yeah. like uh, through analogies like and shouting it through a yes. megaphone? Yes. And that was it. That was it. I that's 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 the whole thing everything you just said was just him being like he's scared he's a scared little boy he's a scared lost puppy and you're his mama you're there to comfort him you're there to take care of him candy I was like okay okay and then I don't really remember what he said to Ethan because I was so focused on you know there's a lot going on I was trying to do a good job Mm -hmm. for him um but I do remember you know with Ethan he was like you don't, you're not into it. Eat your hot dog. Yeah. Munch on that hot dog. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. In the middle of a casino. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, and he really wanted me. Cause I just remember like, he kept saying it. He was like more, like more, like you're, you're trying so hard to make sure he's okay. And I was just like pouring it all into him, like trying so hard to, you know, care for him or whatever. And um, yeah. So I'm glad you felt that because it's hard when you don't know a lot. I didn't know if I did it, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I hope I gave him what he wanted. But then I was like, you know, it's someone like David Lynch. Like he would tell you, yeah, like he'd be like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And he knows how to direct actors. Like, I mean, there are, there are episodes of the old twin peaks, especially in season two, when he wasn't directing them where mm-hmm. scenes that are just notorious for being directed strangely and actors that don't feel authentic and feel like way too soap opera but the, the way he mm-hmm. directs i mean i didn't feel a hint of that in season uh season three good and yeah your scene i thought was just very like emotionally poignant and like very authentic i think is the word huh. that i would walk away with. so yeah well, kudos well, thank you of course um so i want to talk now sarah about like what's mm-hmm. next for you what are you working on right now i saw on imdb that you've got a part in the marilyn monroe film that's coming out soon is that yeah. is that still filming like what's the deal with that no, it's been done filming for a long time. I don't really know what the holdup has been. I, I think COVID, obviously. Yeah. You know, I think COVID has been a, a big thing. But yeah, I'm really excited for this. It's called Blonde. Anna de Armas plays Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Bobby Cannavale is uh, Joe DiMaggio. Adrian Brody is Arthur Miller. And yeah, I play uh, Norma Jean, who is, you know, young Marilyn's. I play her adopted mom. Mm-hmm. So all my scenes are with like little girl Marilyn. Yeah. And um, it's an interesting character. Like, I don't want to give anything away, but it's like, is this a good person or not a good person? Right. Kind of yeah. Role. Um, anyway, Andrew Dominic directed it and I'm a huge fan of his. And I was, I mean, like overjoyed. Oh, I'm also a huge 
Maryland fan. Like I, you know, like I said, I, I grew up watching movies and a lot of those were old Hollywood classic. Yeah. My parents are, are obsessed with like, you know, the golden era of Hollywood. And so I'm very, very, very excited to be part of that. And I can't wait to see it. I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then other than that, I might be starting something, a movie in the spring and that's about it. Uh, you know, with COVID it's, it's been kind of tricky. So yeah. I'm really hoping Blonde comes out soon because I'm dying to see it. Oh, cool. All right. Well, I can't wait to see it. All right. There's a, one question that I wanted to to hit before I hit my last question for you is um, okay. I, I first reached out to you because I found you in my followers list, um, like mm-hmm. one of just a handful of uh, people that are connected to the Twin Peaks universe um, that actually like am aware of this dumb, weird mashup thing that I do. Um, but I assume because... <laughs> Amazing mashup thing. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you so much for saying that. Um, but I assume because you follow the page that you are a Seinfeld fan. Is that true? I am a huge Seinfeld fan. I grew up on Seinfeld. Like I watched the show live when it was on NBC with my parents, mm-hmm. you know, every week. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Oh, cool. Cool. What's your, uh, what's your yeah. favorite if you had to pick just, just one? Um, I would. Okay. So things that stand out for me, I love the episode where um, Jerry's parents come to visit. I don't remember what else happens in the episode, but Jerry's parents come to visit and Morty has to go to the, to the doctor. Yeah. The wallet. It's, uh, yes, yeah. it's the wallet, and and I love the moment when um, Leo's doctor like got him in or something, and Jerry with the watch, and Uncle Leo, <laughs> they, they like they take him out of the room and it, with his like pants and stuff, and he comes back and he's like, my wallet is gone, my wallet is gone. <laughs> it's a classic. I love it. I oh. also love. I think it is it the same episode when like I feel like it's in the same jumble when um, when um, Kramer gets the box of cigars right as a gift and he's like smoking a shit ton of cigars and then his hair catches fire yeah let me think that's um i feel like it's the same season uh and it is definitely the same season and then of course i mean so my family and i still to this day obviously the soup nazi episode Mm -hmm. classic i love newman Mm -hmm. newman is so fucking funny when newman gets his soup and he opens it and he's like jambalaya like my my parents and I still do that. Like if we're cooking in the kitchen or something, we'll be like, um, also when uh, Elaine and Kramer fight over the bike. Uh-huh. Yeah. I remember they're like and Kramer's like, there's one person who could help us decide who the, who the rightful owner of the yeah. bike is. And they're sitting and like Newman's like lit, you know, like we will cut the bike down the middle. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, what are your favorite episodes? Uh, I'm so curious to hear which ones you love. Okay, so my all-time favorite is um, there's one called the pothole toward the end of the series in season eight, where yeah, uh-huh. George loses his keychain in the pothole, and the, the construction crew covers it up. And actually, one of those construction workers was also on Twin Peaks, so that's maybe one of the reasons that it's one of my favorites. Um, but that's so uh, funny. Yeah, yeah. One of there's 13 actors. I've counted them out that that appeared in both shows um and i've gotten to talk to one of them i'm hoping to track down the other 12 uh well a couple of them are no longer with us but anyway. i'm sure you i think you've posted about you must have done a post about this because i feel like i've gone through who those actors were on both yeah yeah i need to i need to talk to grace Zabriskie. i would love to talk to brenda strong uh you know some of the mm-hmm. big ones like that um, but yeah, that's one of my favorites, and uh, I'm a big fan of the middle seasons before it got a little too zany, although I like the zany ones too. Um, so mm-hmm. I love it when they they film the pilot, 
and Jerry and George oh, have to write yeah. the pilot together. And, you know, George dates Susan like several years mm-hmm. before he actually kills her, um, but right. still manages to ruin her <laughs> life in other ways. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yes. I, yeah. I'm all over the place. I love some of the later ones, but I love the the juicy middle bit as well. Do you ever get asked, like, what which one are you? Who are you? I've never been asked which character. That. Um, gro- oh, really? Yeah. I talk about this all the time with my friends. Yeah, no, growing Who up. Who are you? Well, <laughs> I, I do have an answer, though. Growing up, I thought I was Kramer. Um, but the older I get, the more I realize that I'm George. And I think that's like a universal thing. Like you grow up and you feel like, OK, I'm I've got this great outlook on life and the future's bright and I'm just going to be myself no matter what anyone else thinks. And the older you get, you're I'm like, George. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I you know, myself yeah. isn't always the best, but you know what? I'm still better than everyone else. Um and, you know, I've got a lot to complain about and I'm going to let everyone hear it. Um, yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Also the, so petty. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. You know, they're all so petty. And it's just like the little things that it's, you know, obviously Larry David, very similar to yep. Curb. It's the thing of like, what would that worst part of yourself do? Exactly. You know, that, that worst part of your brain, like you think about doing, but then you're like, oh, no, mm-hmm. stop. You're being ridiculous. That's petty. Like they do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. they always do it. Mm-hmm. And I just love it. Yeah. I've been told my whole life that I'm a George uh-huh. mixed with a Kramer. <laughs> I'm a Kramer George combo. It's a good so. mixture. It's a it's a good blend to have. I think you get a little bit of the, yeah. the best of both worlds. I think two sides of the same. Coin. I actually. I was doing this movie called The Innkeepers, which is a a horror movie that's also a bit of a comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, the director, Ty West, like, I I don't know, I guess something I was doing physically or like whatever, just who I, my essence was reminding him of George. And so sometimes when he'd give me direction, he'd be like behind the camera, like more Costanza, go full (laughs) Costanza. Uh, like somehow I knew what that meant, you know, and so I'd give him more Costanza. So yeah, that is fantastic. I'm I'm really glad that I asked that question then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just love it. And um, yeah, a girlfriend of I don't know. Sorry, I don't know why I'm saying this, but one of my best friends like is Elaine, mm-hmm. and she's actually the person that got me into your Instagram because she was sending oh. me all of your memes and shit, and I was like, oh my god, this guy is amazing. She looks like Elaine. Her voice sounds like Elaine. They uh-huh. have the same cadence. Like she is Elaine. Oh wow! You'll have sounds to thank hard. her for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so Sarah, uh, the last thing I want to do is uh, I give everyone okay. I talk to this chance um, to promote or um, you know give a wider audience for a nonprofit, um, a charity, you know, some sort of. If there's anything that's near and dear to your heart that you want people to know about, yeah. want people to give money to, like I'll give you. The floor is yours. Okay. Um, that's really cool. I think that I, I love that. So thank you. I'm very, very much into uh, animal rescue mm-hmm. uh, and adopt, don't shop. I, I have a little rescue dog. Hold on. Maybe I'll, I'll show him to you. Please. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, what's his name? His name is Augie. Oh, hello, Augie. Yeah. It's not very nice to meet you, sir. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm. Maybe I'm too dog obsessed. Oh. Um, but yeah, I just, I, uh, it makes me sad when people in my life, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't judge, but when they go to a breeder yeah. to get a dog or a cat, when there are so many animals that need homes. Mm-hmm. So I would say these are some rescue organizations that are local to me mm-hmm. that, um, you can follow on Instagram and they do a lot of really good work and, um, you know, uh, they take donations from Venmo and stuff like that. So one is called Mayday Rescue. 
The other is Love Leo Rescue and the other is uh, the LaBelle Foundation. And um, they're great. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to put links yeah. uh, in the show notes description portion of, uh, of this podcast on the podcast app so that uh, folks can reach out to them, follow them, uh, donate to them. I think yeah. that's I think that's huge. I'm a dog person, too. My wife and I got a rescue Shortly after we got married, we kept her for eight years until we lost her back in November. And it's just sorry. Thank you. Thank you. It's so sorry. Yeah. You know, I mean, as a dog person, you know, like how close that bond is. Um, And I think it is hugely important to go to, you know, the humane societies of the world and those that are doing animal rescues, because, yeah, there are so many animals that could could have such a short and miserable life uh, unless someone steps in to give them a better life and your life just yeah. becomes so much better because of it. So it's a win-win. Totally. So that, I agree. Animals are like unconditional love. Yes. You know? They're just like pure, good hearted. And uh, yeah, it just kills me when um, I see an animal that's, um, you know, being mistreated or yeah, yeah I, it really kills my soul no thank you for indulging me i feel like i'm one of those moms that's like tell my baby it's cute no no i you gotta see the baby (laughs) baby. (laughs) awesome well no yeah it was a pleasure to meet him yeah no 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 no. i i I welcome all of that encourage all of that um sarah before we let you go is there anything else you'd like to say uh to the fans of the show, um, I mean, I just want to say, like, as part of the Twin Peaks universe, you were one part of the tapestry of that weird and wild season three that was, <laughs> I mean, it was something that no one got what they expected going into the show. And I just want to say thank you for being part of that because it was an immensely awesome experience for me just watching this this the series as a whole. And, uh, and you were a great part of making that an authentic and just really cool experience. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I have so much gratitude and I feel so lucky that I was able to be a part of it. I feel very lucky and I've really enjoyed chatting with you about it and kind of, you know, it's, it's been a while. So taking a walk down the memory lane has been really fun. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, Sarah. Well, I will let you go. You have a great rest of your week and thanks again for coming on the podcast. No problem. Thank you so much. This week's musical guest is Luca De Paoli, an Italian singer-songwriter who's released four self-produced albums and performed around the world. His latest album, Into the Night, is a tribute to the great composer and David Lynch collaborator, Angelo Badalamenti. You can purchase Into the Night on Luca's Bandcamp page, which I've linked in this episode's show notes. From Into the Night, here is Luca De Paoli with a cover of Badalamenti's Sycamore Trees. I got idea, man You take me for a walk Under the sycamore trees The dark trees that blow, baby In the dark trees that blow And I'll see you And you see me And I'll see you in the branches 
Intro theme by Patrick Edwards. Mid-show music by Ivor Boetz. Outro theme by Robert McDonald. All links mentioned can be found in this episode's show notes. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to The Other Side of Darkness so you won't miss the story once it begins this fall. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a positive rating and review on your podcasting app. Follow Sign Peaks on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and join our Facebook group. Visit our store at signpeaks.threadless.com. 50% of proceeds for the month of February will be donated to Doctors Without Borders. And if you'd like to support this series, you can visit patreon.com slash signpeaks to get early access to episodes and exclusive merchandise. The Other Side of Darkness was made possible thanks to the backing of over 100 supporters through sites like kickstarter.com. Here are just a few of those supporters I'd like to recognize. John Maiasato, Doug Eberly, Adam Conway, Neil Ratna, The Mayor, Justin Metcalf, and Daniel Guedes.
If you enjoy this podcast, you might also enjoy watching Owen Wilson, the first podcast dedicated entirely to everyone's favorite catchphrase-loving comedic actor. Hosts Jake Menez and Michael J. Teeter make their way through Owen Wilson's entire filmography, rating each movie, counting each wow, and bringing in guests in an effort to befriend Owen Wilson himself. Find Watching Owen Wilson on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and at watercooler.com. You can also listen to Mike Dowd, the voice of Kramer on this podcast, on his own podcast, Welcome to Twin Speaks. Here's Mike and co-host Janine with more. Hi, I'm Mike. And hello, I'm Janine. And this is Welcome to Twin Speaks. We are a bi-weekly podcast exploring the weird and wonderful world of David Lynch's master hit TV series, Twin Peaks. We will be going episode by episode, really discussing the legacy of Twin Peaks that it's left for television and pop culture that maybe you've never heard before. And if you're someone like me, who's actually seeing it for the very first time, um, I welcome you to dive in with me with no spoilers as we go along and I avoid all the Google researching in what's to come with fresh eyes and fresh ears and bask in the wonderfully weird yes and if you've seen the show before you can see it through the first time through janine's eyes it'll be like it'll be like you're watching twin peaks for the first time so grab a cup of joe grab some donuts and some cherry pie and join us on spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and welcome to twin speaks the other side of darkness is written performed and produced strictly as a work of parody the Other Side of Darkness is not endorsed by Castle Rock Entertainment, Sony Pictures, NBC, Warner Brothers Records, Rhino Records, Lynch Frost Productions, Twin Peaks Productions, CBS, or Showtime. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Seinfeld, the Seinfeld logo, and all Seinfeld characters, story elements, and intellectual property are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders. The makers of The Other Side of Darkness make no claims directly or indirectly of ownership to any elements held by these trademark and or copyright holders other than original characters, story elements, and other intellectual properties created specifically by the makers of this podcast. Musical elements referencing themes and motifs from the original theme music to Seinfeld and Twin Peaks are created expressly as works of parody and do not imply claims to ownership of said music.